greetings, folks. Welcome to Red Voices. Thanks for stopping by. And things are decidedly more cheery around than they've been for the last few weeks. Winning games is nice, isn't it? Would be to presumably confirm that statement is the man Richard Can. Hello. Yes, it is nice. It is. Yeah, good. I'm making a return nice. to the podcast. It's uh, 442's Harriet Drudge. How are you, Harriet? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, looking forward to the feast of football over Christmas, especially as we're back to winning ways. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all good. Excellent. Rich, I didn't really give you a proper chance to actually uh, answer that question as well. How are you? Much the same as Harriet. Isn't it nice to record after two wins in a row for the first time since August? August. Yes. <laughs> that was that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there was that spark of pre-season optimism when the three of us last got together, and that was just after the uh, the Community Shield game against uh, Leicester. Do you remember the three of us? That youthful optimism that we once had. That the, spark. That wonderful honeymoon period before before <laughs> oh, we started grief. arguing and everything. That's that, that's that's true. That's true. And then bottles got kicked. Things were yeah. said and yeah. stuff happened. But there we go. So let's wind it back to uh, last uh, Wednesday night at uh, Selhurst Park. Rich, it wasn't an incredible game to watch by any stretch of the imagination, but a very, very, very valuable win. What do you reckon? It was. I've said before that a lot of people were getting very excited about supposed progress, and that was certainly the case at home, but away from home our performances hadn't been particularly brilliant. I think Everton kind of compacted that because it was another very iffy performance that we you know, we threw away three points at the end. I think what what uh, encouraged me from the Palace game was that we actually went out and had the game under control for, you know, for the, certainly the whole first half, which is something we haven't done. And we were the side that were creating chances and looking positive and and actually actually going away and looking like we we deserved to be ahead at half time. So that was weird, that, wasn't it? It was weird. And as a whole, that game, you know, I think it's the first time in a while in the league that we've really gone away from home and completely stamped our authority on a game and. Ultimately, the result was harder to come by than we than it should have been. But again, that was really down to down to us switching off for twenty minutes or so. But generally, you know, it's a much more positive away performance. Harriet, uh, how surprised were you that United pulled a, a victory out of the bag, considering that we again threw away a one-goal lead just after half-time? Oh, very surprised, given that it's become a bit of a habit for us to be kind of dominating games and playing well, and not necessarily getting the goals for. For that performance to see that we went ahead and then obviously drew level again and it just felt like it was going to be the same old story um and i will put my hands up here i didn't see the game last wednesday because it was the office christmas party so uh, <laughs> but obviously being being a member of a football magazine lots of fixtures going on at the same time all of us were kind of on the phones <laughs> but to it must have oh, been a very sociable that... evening uh, well it was it was I, i'm not even going to talk to you about the karaoke um, but <laughs> I didn't. I definitely didn't sing any United songs when I saw the little uh, alert that we scored an 89th minute winner. But um, yeah, it was just nice to to have that feeling back where the belief is there that we can, even if we're not playing particularly well, we can pull it out of the bag if we really need to. Um, and yeah, I mean, from seeing the highlights, we dug deep when we needed to. And I think you know there are a few teams in the league who aren't capable of doing that at the moment. And if we can start turning um, those games around where we're playing really well and we just score loads of goals like we did against Leicester, like we did against West Ham at the second time of asking, um, then then we'll be flying. I've got to admit the one thing that wound me up most about this, and to be fair, I'm a fool to myself because, you know, it, it's BT Sport and their record of this sort of things is incredible. But my God, that was an annoying game to watch on television, Rich. 
That was the goddamn worst. It was so, so bad. All of that, in terms of what happened in the game or in terms of BT Sport, just... Being... Just BT Sport, quite <laughs> frankly. It, 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 it felt like we'd stolen the lead. I've, I've got into the habit of just not listening to the commentary when, when it's on BT Sport, just because combination of Michael Owen, Owen Hargreaves, various others, oh, it's, just, it's too irritating to, to, to manage. So uh, it was that sort of silence I watched it in. Mm. I mean, it was it was this sort of sense of moral high ground that they had, where they, they were almost treating United being ahead as a complete, you know... What's the word I'm searching for? A crime against nature to a certain extent. And I'm not going to suggest that we didn't get a couple decisions go our way. I mean, you know, we've, we've got to talk about Rojo again. You know, thankfully he didn't repeat these antics on uh, Saturday night at the Hawthorns. But good grief, he was so, so lucky to escape with uh, with just a booking from another oh. double-footed lunge off the ground. Um, that, that was against Wolf Saha in the first half. And... Maybe a slight hit of fortune for Pogba's goal after Zlatan sort of turned his chest and perhaps used a little bit of his uh, arm slash hand in order to divert the ball in his path. But by that same token, take away that red card decision, I still look at that game and I would, based on the chances we made and the pressure that we had and the fact that Crystal Palace created approximately naff all, it's pretty difficult to look back at that game and say we didn't deserve to be in the lead really, wasn't it? Yeah, we we created by far the more chances. In fact, did, did Palace really make a chance other than the goal? I can't, I can't recall a decent one. And you know, as you there said, was one exceptional save from distance that Dave made oh, that's not right. long before that goal. That's right. Joe, in the first half, they were up to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, United created at least five or six quite presentable chances in that game. And you, you talk about the decisions, and certainly Rocco should have been sent off, and our goal shouldn't have stood. But then there are two equally appalling decisions in Palace's favour in the second half. And I think for, for anybody to suggest that United didn't deserve to win that game, I, I think would be being obtuse in the extreme. Slash Robbie Savage. Yeah, Robbie Savage. He's <laughs> the dirt worst. The have dirt, you, dirt worst. Have you noticed, actually, that Owen Hargreaves has stopped, has stopped ripping on United now that we've signed Zlatan? He has some sort of hero worship thing going on with Zlatan, and he can't, he, he can't utter a breath without saying how wonderful he is. And it means he can't hate United anymore. I was all right with that. I mean, if, if, if Slatan has turned that weird, cold, dead heart into something a little bit more functional, <laughs> then that's fine by me. It's like the uh, it's like the Castles Mourinho continuum, isn't it? Oh, big dunk! Big dunk's been on incredible form of late. I <laughs> I still can't get over just how wonderful he is to follow these days. It's magnificent. I've never seen a face turn quite like this. It's remarkable. I think the the best thing about the best thing about Dunk is that he actually believes everything he says. Though he's not he's not doing it to wind people up, but that's all he ever does. But he really believes what he's saying. That that's amazing. That's commitment. Well, to be fair, he's actually doing it to wind people other than us up these days, which is why yeah. it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he truly his his entire world is framed by uh, Mourinho's position within it at any given moment, isn't it? And so so any opinion of his, he's perfectly suited to the particular. That's true. Aren't you, aren't you still blocked by him? No, I'm not blocked. He um he unblocked me so that he could message me, direct message me to tell me to tell me off about something. Oh, but what? This was a while ago. Story, I don't know. Come on, we've story time. Few, come on. We've had a few conversations uh, by by DM all instigated by him that will never end, despite the fact that I asked them to end quite regularly. <laughs> <laughs> but he sounds like a completely different podcast entirely. The tales of Richard Duncan. I know. He, he, he seems to he seems to have this great desire to to persuade me that that his all of his opinions are absolutely correct and there's no inherent 
inherent favoritism in any of his attitudes towards anything Mourinho related um, or otherwise, or related uh, or related to Jess Fute or friends of Mourinho or other Portuguese people that Jorge Mendes knows. Um, no, full of rubbish. I could have said a far worse word there, but I'm, I'm, it's a Christmas episode, so it's fine. But good grief. Oh, bless you. I, I had no idea that you'd been DM chatting, Rich. That, that, that you've been keeping that from me. I could, we could have been using that months ago. I talked to lots of other people today. I'm really sorry. Oh, that's fine. Well, to be fair, you know, I'm glad you brought this to the table now, at least anyway. <laughs> but yeah, okay, okay, okay. I mean, Harry, I'll, 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 we'll bring you into the fore a little bit more, but because Rich, you know, saw the game and you, you know, you, you were busy with your, you know, your real life friends, we'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll head over to Rich for his reaction of when James MacArthur got that goal in the 66th minute, no less, I... and subsequently dragged us back down to reality. I think the the most annoying thing about the game, and it is something we've done in patches in away games, is that we came out after half time, after half time and just switched off and sat on a one nil lead. Yeah, and this give... is, to be fair, we know we've we've never seen any sort of warning throughout you know this season so far that would suggest that that was a bad plan. No, 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 no. When we always race away into to significant leads before having a breather. Um, but yeah, so we did exactly the same as we did at Everton and probably a lot of other games this season where we just. I don't know. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or if it's just a complacency, or I, I honestly can't get my head around it. But but we did just stop playing. I guess Palace had offered so little in the first half that there was a. I suppose it would be easy to think I can give five percent less less here, have a bit of a breather, and we'll be okay. Hmm. And and obviously we weren't. They they got a little bit of a head of steam up, and then obviously they scored what was a very very nice goal, um, but. You know, you could see that we'd knocked off by the way we responded immediately and took control of the game again. It's just really, really irritating that we that we have to keep learning that lesson of actually conceding before before turning it up again. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, just over twenty minutes to go after MacArthur equalised, and you know, United did turn it on a little bit, which was great. But then you're suddenly thinking, well, why on earth couldn't we do this shortly after the half time as opposed to having to do it? having you know being dragged back to parity by palace mm. it would have been great to have killed the game off a lot sooner than this and we did that at the weekend and that was encouraging to see you know we managed that game particularly well but to have to respond to being dragged back to one all in the way that we did on wednesday was a little bit concerning considering that as you know as we've all said this is something we've seen many times before but at least we responded well you know matter should have had his goal tapped him from a close range and then Joe Ledley basically used, I mean, what was it, his elbow to try and clear the ball? I don't know, he kind of windmilled it clear, didn't he? He did, it was rather remarkable. Yeah, the, the, let's be quite frank, the the officials did not have a very good game on Wednesday night. No. But there we go. I, was, I think that benefited and uh, went against both sides in equal measure for the most part. But there we go. And then, whilst it was looking like the game was essentially going to settle down, Harriet, Zlatan pops up with a, a moment of uh, rather a lot of magic. What did you make of it? Oh, it was brilliant. Absolutely fantastic goal. Like the, and the vision and movement between him and Pogba um, was just phenomenal. It's just that little spark, isn't it, that sometimes when you're coasting and you're not, you're not quite getting through and, and scoring that goal that you need, you just need somebody to grab it and say, right, OK, this is my moment. And Zlatan is quite obviously the man of the moment. Um, 16 goals for the season now uh, for Man United. Uh, it's just incredible. And you know, he's always going to get thrown at him that he was scoring so many goals in such a, in a pony league in France. But, you know, 
his talent just translate wherever he translates wherever he is. Yeah, um, what have you made of him over the season? Um, he's he's a funny one to watch. If you watch him play, uh, kind of, if you just focus on him, um, it's a bit like it's difficult. I talk to lots of different football fans, and a lot of fans get frustrated at Meza Özil, for example, because they'll watch him on TV and they watch him lose the ball and he won't run back and he won't chase back. And in some ways, Latan does that sometimes. If you just watch him on TV, then you can see that, you know, if he loses the ball, he isn't necessarily the quickest to get back and, and fight for it. But actually, he knows what he's good at. He knows that he needs to keep his position and bring others into the game. His strength is just phenomenal. Um, and I just think he, he adds that different dimension um, that we've we've been lacking for mm. for a while now, and just the way he brings others into the game, and so, and his confidence, and the, the the impact that his confidence has had on the rest of the team has has been incredible, um, and that the finish that against Palace, which I'm I'm not sure too many others in the team could have pulled that off. No, um, I'd agree with you completely. I don't think we've got anyone else in the side who could have scored that goal from that angle. No. It was such a great finish. Yeah, I mean, the little look, um, and it even looked as if it was, because it, it was quite, you know, quite a slick and fast pass, pace on it. It looked as if it was just going to get away from him, but he just, he managed to just think perfect, absolutely perfectly weighted it, and, you know, what what a way to win it. I mean, it's always good to win it. At the death, that always feels a lot better. It always feels like, obviously, you've lost if you if you concede in those minutes, like it did against Everton. But, yeah, just phenomenal. Hmm. Rich, what did you make of... Uh, well, I mean, there has been this sort of evolving narrative around Pogba that he is, you know, over the last week or so, starting to prove his worth. But, I mean, that that's something that we've spoken about in bits and bobs over the last couple of weeks, you know, that... We have seen, you know, quite intensely his improvement over the last several months, really, you know, ever since the the Swansea game seemed to really sort of kickstart his season. What did you make of him on the, on the Wednesday night? I think it was his best game for United, but I also think he's been playing very well for, for quite a few weeks. As you say, he was very good at Swansea. I think I think the problem with the, the wider football sphere is that they only seem to notice um, from afar when when a player scores or a player assists. And obviously he did those things on Wednesday, but his all-round game has been really quite ex- exceptional for quite a few weeks now. Um, and I guess we notice it more because we haven't had a midfielder who has all the qualities that he has for such a long time. You know, he 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 can he can do the box-to-box stuff, but he's incredibly skillful. He can break through the lines. He can dribble. He can shoot. He can pass. We're not used to to seeing that level of contribution from midfield, and so I guess we we can see more what he's what he's offering. I mean the the weight of the pass for, for Zlatan was absolutely absurd. It was just absolutely perfect. And I think, as, as Harry was saying, it, it was a, a terrific finish. But for Zlatan, they're the chances that he wasn't finishing two or three months ago. And and now he is. And now, you know, we're benefiting from seeing the player that was played for PSG last year, whereas we've become quite frustrated by by the fact that he was missing, you know, missing chances like that and easier chances than that. So... Mm. I think all round it was just it, the big game players, aren't they? We saw two big game players win a game as they do, as big as great players do, and that's what we've missed. Yeah. Under you know under LVG for the last two years, we haven't had match winners like that. So oh, oh, you brought Van Hal into the mix. Well, oh my Well, I did, word. but it's but we've, it's been a very functional team, hasn't it? And we haven't had we haven't had many players, if any, who've who, I guess Martial kind of broke the mould a bit last season. 
but apart from him, there's nobody who could do anything out of the ordinary, really. You're completely it was, correct. It was all it was all very tippy tappy and nice passes, but but there was no one who could win a game just like that. And so I suppose for us, it's an incredible breath of fresh air to actually see some really big name, big game players deciding games in our favour for once. Yeah, that is very good. Just sticking with Van Hal for a minute. Kev pointed this out on the Twitter account earlier on today that uh, Van Hal has been rumoured in French papers for the PSG job and a reunion with uh, one Angel Di Maria. <laughs> PSG fans oh, have no idea, grief. do they? Oh, that's a match made in Hull. That's amazing. Oh, oh good grief. Can, can you imagine Angel? You know, he works so hard to get away, bless him. And to be fair, from from what I hear slash read slash watch, uh, he's not going down particularly well over there. You know, PSG are, are struggling in uh, the absence of Blanc and with Latan. So yeah, that, that, gosh, that, that, that I will pay. I will pay money to watch that all go up in flames. That would be hilarious. It's interesting how um, Di Maria always becomes unsettled when things aren't going the way of his team at that particular time. It's almost like he's a fair weather, fair weather footballer or something. Maybe you reckon? I I, I wouldn't like to say. Well, I mean, you remember, remember back in the early days of the podcast, actually, Kev was insisting that it wasn't going anywhere. The, sorry, that he wasn't going anywhere. Yes. Yeah, but Kev, Kev's an absolute devotee of Matteo Darwin as well, so he clearly doesn't have a great deal of a great deal of instinct for these things, does he? <laughs> burn. Sick burn. Good grief. <laughs> All right, well, let, let's move on uh, to Saturday's game against West Bromwich Albion. Harriet, uh, that ended up being as routine a win as I think we've seen in several years. What did you make of it? Thank the Lord. Um, it was about time that we had a routine win. Um, you always kind of enter into these games thinking, oh, it should, it should be, should be. But uh, more often than not, it's Garth Crooks' famous comment, isn't it? You know, on paper we yeah. should win, but we don't play football on paper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, dominated pretty much from start to finish, um, which was good, obviously. But you know, West Brom did have a chance, but, uh, but one chance I think I remember that was, you know, had us a little bit worried because that's all it takes, isn't it? I mean, if you don't put your put your chances away, as we found out so often this season. Um, then it only takes, you know, going off, going in off somebody's backside, and they can be level. Thankfully, that didn't happen at Hawthorns. Um, and again, you know, Zlatan doing what he does uh, and scaring the life out of Jesse Lingard when he went to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> that was a perfect oh, moment, wasn't it? I've seen some wonderful superb. photoshops of that. Yeah. What's your favourite? Uh, my favourite is one that Jesse Lingard posted on Instagram, which yes, is Zlatan coming off the top rope at a WWE yeah, that's event. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's been loads, haven't there? Like um, one with the lightsabers and and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I did see one yeah, where cross... uh, there was Zlatan being uh, the Premier League and then Arsenal being Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, I mean the cross from Jesse as well. Uh, just on a plate. Love that. Um, That's delightful, isn't it? Brilliant. And and I think quite a lot of quite a few of the pundits have been saying this that. Jesse is, you know, is a player that other players hate to play against because he's just so direct and he might be frustrating at times. I mean, he should have had a goal uh, in that game if he'd, you know, got his head over it a bit more and didn't blaze it over the bar. But we've we've lacked that kind of direct approach for a while. I mean, Pogba brings it, obviously, and Jesse does. And Antonio Valencia, who I remember us talking about, <laughs> um, is a lot better <laughs> these days. He doesn't yeah. stand still as much. He still does it, but I think when he used to stand still, he didn't know what to do. 
I think he's thinking a bit more now and he kind of knows what he's going to do. It's just a pause now. It's not a, oh my God, I don't know what to do. It's a, right, okay. No, they're not ready. Right, I'm going. And he'll, when he turns on the gas, he can he can really go. So that's been quite a pleasing development under Mourinho that we can be a bit more direct and we, we reap the benefits of the weekend. Mm, absolutely. Rich, what did you make of it? We, we'd never ever have scored that goal under Van Gaal, would we? He'd have, um, no, he'd have no. dis- first touch cross. I know he'd have, dis- he'd have disappeared Valencia for two months for the for the ball forward. Lingard <laughs> Lingard for a month for the first time cross, and I don't know what he what he'd done with Zlatan. He wouldn't have Zlatan in the first place. But um, yeah, I mean that was the whole performance was a Mourinho performance, and that was a Mourinho goal. It, you know, it was seeing the opportunity to get the ball forward as quickly as we could. You know, the whole the whole thing it, it looked quite a rudimentary goal, but. It's one of those ones, if you'd scored it in the park with your mates, you'd think that was absolutely amazing. You know, the <laughs> long ball forward and the first time cross and a glancing head of that. Well, to perfect. quote Alan Partridge, liquid football. Liquid! <laughs> <laughs> that was even better. Good job, Rich. <laughs> I try. But no, I think what was particularly encouraging about that game was the fact that we actually put it to bed, you know, yeah. in comparison to... The Palace game, where you know we got dragged back, we killed it. You know that was the first time since, uh, gosh, when was it? The Swansea game, which was back in September, that we've actually had a two-goal lead in the in any Premier League game, which is kind of crazy. And not only did we, all right, fair enough. You know we've all said this. You know it's all very well and good being one goal up, but you always leave yourself at risk. All right, we didn't necessarily look like we were going to concede apart from that one Rondon header that you mentioned, Harriet, but. Once we got that second goal, that was essentially the game done and dusted. You know, we managed it very well. We didn't overexert ourselves. You know, the players are probably quite damn tired with the amount of games and travel. You know, we've been involved in three competitions already this season and played a lot of games already. So, you know, there's 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 no need to go, you know, hell for leather every time, you know, we're playing a game and we were two nil up. So that the game management was very nice to see. It was nice to see us close it out. And it was just nice to see us win with such a degree of comfort. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it was also quite nice to see us uh, take note of what was going to frustrate West Brom. And we man- and in that sense, we managed the game well as well. And, you know, really limited uh, service up to Rondon. And, um, and there was a bit of a skirmish in, in the penalty area with Rojo later on. Um, but... You know that's what we've got to learn how to do as well. It's not just about us playing pretty football and and you know obviously it's scoring lots of goals, but it's about us making sure that when we're not in possession, that the other team aren't going to have it easy. And I think too often they have in in recent seasons. I think it has been noticeable like, the last few weeks, particularly just how high up the pitch and how hard we've pressed teams. Yeah. And and for, you know we've watched for the last couple of years at least where we've just stood stood off teams and let them let them you know pass a waltz through us and it's you know at last we're seeing the midfield I mean it helps that we've we've got we've got Herrera in there who's just bought bundle of energy and Pogba who's got you know plenty, loads of energy and loads of legs and we, we can actually press teams but you're even seeing Ibrahimovic and, and, and Rooney and guys like that really pushing up against the opposition centre-backs and West Brom just didn't have any time to play at all and you know, the nice thing was again that we didn't we didn't have that 15 20 minute period in the game where we just switched off it really didn't happen and because we got the goals at such fantastic times in each half West Brom never had the chance to get up ahead of steam at all and so as you say I think that's the most routine away win 
I suppose you could say Swansea was, but Swansea actually had periods in the second half where they gave us a bit of trouble, whereas West Brom really didn't at any point. Hmm. What did you make of uh, Rondon's slap? Sorry. I think we both just went... <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> I think that is that is uh, is the general consensus. I mean, uh, Rojo looks to have said something that he didn't like particularly much, you know, very much. Um, the funny thing about that was Paul Ansel, who was at the game uh, on Saturday, was uh, he put out a tweet saying, "Is anyone else really, really worried about what Rojo said?" And then the reply was, "Well, I am now." God damn! <laughs> Did you see Phil Jones's face? Phil Jones was outraged by the uh, by the slaps. He was. Yeah, I mean, Almost one of the worst things he'd ever seen in his life, by the looks of his face. <laughs> <laughs> so it must, it must have been terrible. Yeah, I'm surprised that hadn't been uh, that hasn't been made into some sort of meme somewhere. I don't know. Um, well, it wasn't as bad as Drogba versus Vidic in Moscow. So no. you know that, that's no. my barometer for a bad slap. I think that's true. I think that's true. everyone's Jones memed out, aren't they? In fact, we've, that's true. We've had so many years of various <laughs> gurning faces that there's just no heart for it anymore. Well, there was he did a kung fu kick in the background after Zlatan's first goal as well on <laughs> yeah. Saturday. Which oh yeah, beautiful. Why? That was a bit weird. Mm. Oh. Did did one one of the Zlatan kick celebrations nearly took his head off though, didn't it? At one point. That's right. That so was true. Just, yes. Yeah, that was against yeah. yeah, yeah. Perhaps he just does it every time now, just to defend himself, just in case he does launch himself at him. Uh, the slap, I think. I mean, I think the right decision was was come to. I, he could have sent him off, to be honest, because you've seen, I've seen, we've seen red cards for that for less than that uh, when you raise your hands. But I mean, I think if it'd been one of our players, it would have been it's stupid to do. Uh, I would have been disappointed if they'd been sent off. But it, ugh, sitting on the fence here, um, I think the booking was the right decision, and we just did we did a job on him, didn't we? We made we got him frustrated, and actually, you know, you know, if he hadn't been having such a, a tough afternoon, tough evening of it because Rojo and Jones just marshaled him well, then he wouldn't have reacted like that. They're, they're words you never thought you'd hear, isn't it? Rocco and Jones marshaled him well. I know. <laughs> yeah. Ridic- I never thought I'd say those words. No, amazing. Sticking, <laughs> sticking with those two, the Austin Reds uh, account, how it goes, how are you, uh, have sent us a quick tweet about uh, our defensive options at the moment. So this is something that I wouldn't have considered a couple of months ago, or certainly wouldn't have uh, thought too hard on. Uh, the question is, everyone has been crying out for a new centre-back, but with Bailly, Rocco and Jones doing well, do you still want to bring someone new in at this stage? What do you reckon, Harriet? Would you bring in someone else in January, for instance? In in defence? Yeah. Because uh, centre-back. I, I, do you know what? I'm, I'm not sure. I genuinely don't know who we would go for. Um, either. Who would, I think Mourinho knows the strengths and weaknesses he's got now. And I think, actually, it might disrupt the balance. We're on, we're on a good upward curve here. And I think... He might have written off a few a few of the players too soon. I mean, obviously, at one point it looked like Rojo was going to be out the door, but he's got the best out of him. That's encouraging. I'm not sure I'm going to pass this one over to Rich. Mm. Well, if we're going back to the, the wonderful Duncan Castles again, um, he, he's written a piece this week saying that Mourinho is now imploring <laughs> Rocco not to take the big money move to China that is supposedly on the cards and stay with United. But I was, I was, wow. th- I was thinking yesterday that... Um, if there's if there's one United centre back who's who's in danger of being thrown into the sea um, at the moment by Mourinho, it's probably Chris Smalling. Mm. You know, he didn't have a particularly great start to the season. He clearly pissed Mourinho off with rightly or wrongly with his broken toe briefing and counter briefing thing. And you know, given the form that Jones and Rocco have been in, it's hard to see him get back in the team. I mean, there's there's been talk of um, of the Swedish 
defender at Benfica, Victor Lindelof, who, because I've seen him play about once in my life, I'm told, can play right back and centre back and is you know quite highly rated. It wouldn't surprise me if we brought a defender in in January, particularly with Eric Bailly likely to be away until mid-February, I think. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And mm. with Luke Shaw, it's kind of indeterminate period that Luke Shaw's out for. We seem to be using Mattia Darmin as a, as a kind of second-choice left-back. Uh, we... Who did all right, to be fair, for the first time in a while on Saturday. Yeah, he did fine. He was solid enough. So in terms of numbers, we are kind of one player down in, at full-back if we don't include Timothy Fossi-Mensa. That's a different one. I mean, I clearly... Mourinho doesn't think he's ready to be starting for us at the moment. Um, so I could, I could see the logic in him bringing one more, one more defender in. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he didn't, because I think he's clearly found players at the back that he trusts now. And I mean, we saw with Eric Bailly being fit again at Palace, and you know, given how well he played for us at the start of the season, how much of a disaster we thought it was that he got injured, it says a lot that Mourinho didn't think, didn't want immediately drafting back into the centre-backs and actually played him right back because he didn't want to break up Rocco and Jones. Again, which is something I thought I'd never say. So yeah, I mean, I think we're, we've found ourselves a lot better off in defence than we expected to be coming up to the end of December. Yeah, it's a stranger, isn't it? I mean, several months ago, you would have said if it was a situation where both Bailly and Smalling were injured, you would have thought, oh, good grief, a centre-back has to absolutely be top of our shopping list, doesn't it? Surely. Yeah. Because we can't trust Phil Jones to stay fit and play well at the same time. And you can't really trust Marcus Rocco to do toast. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, you know, I guess we sound like a broken record to a certain extent. But it's still, it's still because I'm still so surprised that those two have been so functional and so positive and so encouraging over the last couple of weeks. It's been really, really, really positive to see. As a result, I would be less than worried about not getting someone not bringing a new centre back next month purely because I feel like we've got sufficient cover in that position if Jones and Rocco can stay fit but obviously then saying that out loud that's the big operative isn't it it's all about the fitness with those two and as we've seen throughout Rocco's two years at United and Jones's what five or six that's not necessarily something you can bank on so I think should another defender be brought in you know as you mentioned Lindelof you can also play it right back and give us you know a bit of maybe an extra dimension that, that Valencia can offer as well in terms of an attacking threat down the right-hand side, that'd be great. But if we don't get it, then I'm not necessarily going to lose much sleep over it. I feel like at this stage, the squad is nicely balanced for the most part. And not only that, with the results being the way they are at present, it feels like we have turned a real corner of late. He said, you know, touching his wooden desk. But <laughs> no, again, you know, if you'd asked me a couple of months ago, as I said, if we needed to bring some players in, you would have said, for sure, yeah, absolutely. But then, you know, the last couple of weeks have happened and we've started to win games more confidently. We've started to put performances together and we've got a lot of good stuff to look forward to in the new year. So, you know, if no one came in, then I wouldn't necessarily be particularly angry at that stage. Anyway, Harrod, before we move on to Twitter questions, a word, please, on Ibrahimovic's second goal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of been coming. The t- um, Wayne Rooney with the assist which he's now above uh, Silva Ozil for assists this season in the Premier League. How about that? Yeah, that, that little shimmy away and the, the two t- two touches and then the, the shot. I mean, something out of nothing. It might not have gone in uh, had it not been for the fortunate deflection. But, you know, you know him taking taking a punt for it. And, yeah, it was, it was brilliant because it came at the right time, like Rich said earlier. It's just, yeah, 
it kind of sealed it off for us. Um, great goal. Frank Frank Lampard made a career of scoring deflected goals as well. So indeed. So we shouldn't criticise Ibra for that. No, that's fair enough. So quick look at uh, Christmas fixture this as well, just before the year's rounded off. Um, <laughs> next Monday is the return of the special one. Oh, you know I can't. Oh, I, I really, really hope we grind them to dirt. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't. I don't think I can. Pray tell me why, Mister Can. I don't think I could live with with Moyes walking away from Old Trafford with his big grin on his face, thinking oh, he's yeah, just, smug grin. just done a Ugh. done a job on Mourinho. Oh. I, no, well, it even, it would, I wouldn't necessarily think it would be a smug grin. It's more that sort of knowing, you know, smirk of saying, yep, I was totally right. They should have given me more time. Six-year plan. Bastard. <laughs> How many years into that six-year plan are we now? God. Oh. <laughs> oh. What, what were we doing? But I'm just going to say, looking at the Christmas fixtures, we and even going to the new year, we, with the exception of Liverpool at home on the 15th of January, we've got a really quite a soft calendar really until mid-February we've got a real opportunity in the next few weeks if we could actually get on a bit of a run to really push up towards the top the top three now maybe I'm being ridiculously over optimistic there but you know we should we should be beating Sunderland and Middlesbrough at home we've got West Ham away really struggling at, at home at the moment or struggling with anybody but struggling at home we've really got a nice run and I, I would I would hope that we can really push on over Christmas now. For sure. Harry, do you echo that sentiment? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think we've got as good a chance as anyone now to really uh, shoot up the league, um, put pressure on Tottenham and City. You know, they've been been digging out the, the, what would be the routine results of late. So it's time that we started doing that and, you know, trying to ship a few goals against them. So, yeah, definitely, I think. And obviously FA Cup at the beginning beginning of January. So it's it's going to be, you know, lots of lots of football. But I think we've got, I think we've got the squad to, to cope with it. And now, you know, on this upward curve, I think Mourinho's, you know, a bit more settled in the team that he wants to put put out there for each game. So, yeah, it's it's definite opportunity for us to, to aim for aim for those top three spaces. Which would have sounded absurd like three weeks ago, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, but then Arsenal lost two of their last, uh, well, they lost their last two games and were 10 points ahead of us, and now they're only four points ahead of us. Cheers, lads. The one, the one <laughs> thing we do need to do, if we're going to continue to make an impact, is we need to share the goals around more, because we, I think we are, if there's one, one issue we still have, it's that we're so reliant on Ibrahimovic to score. Um, and I think I think Mkhitaryan coming back might might help that, but we, we still need the other guys. You know, Martial hasn't offered the impact that he that he might have done this season. You know, Lingard's not a prolific, prolific um, scorer. Matters, and you know, and our second top scorer in the league is is a Pogba and Matter with three. So, you know, we're still not scoring bucket loads of goals, and we're going to need some more players to chip in if we're going to make an impact over the, you know, really make an impact on the top three over the next few months. Excellent. Let's move on to Twitter questions, and guys, Alex Wormall asks: If United players were going to remake a Christmas film, which one would it be, and who would be the leads? God, that's a bit of a hard one to drop on us. <laughs> I mean, Mourinho, Mourinho, and Scrooge might be a good one. Yeah, yeah. Who's Tiny Tim? Um, Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, You'd okay. Be Bob Cratchit, I, actually. Uh, this, uh, actually, what about going slight off the Christmas theme? But a film that's always on at Christmas. What about The Empire Strikes Back? Is Empire always on at Christmas? Oh, it used to be always on at Christmas. There used to have, used to be at least one of the Star Wars films on at Christmas. Just give me that; it works. <laughs> you can't no, no 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 Rich no we had this discussion before Star Wars is not Christmas movies oh, 
It says Christmas is home alone. <sighs> Doesn't work. At Ben's, no, Bet Smith uh, one three zero asks, "Aren't you disappointed we didn't wear Mkhitaryan shirts when he was confirmed injured for two weeks?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pray, oh, no. I mean, Pray for Gundogan. L- 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 yeah, I mean, th- there's absolute. You know, the only worry about that is what if you know the injury had uh, you know not been as serious as we thought, or you know had been utterly fabricated. It would be really stupid for any football club to wear you know t-shirts trying to you know offer support to a player who was you know found out to be something. Very, very difficult, because that would make you look really, really stupid and terrible, wouldn't it? Mm. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so I got something in my throat. Uh, <laughs> to 3DD, Teddy asks, still in four competitions, semi-final of the League Cup, four points off fourth, improving by the game. Is Mourinho getting unfair stick from Preston fans? Is he getting stick from Preston fans? I... I haven't seen him get any stick. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? I said this a few weeks ago when people were saying Mourinho's getting loaded stick and uh, Guardiola isn't, he'll, they won't get stick if they're winning games or if they're, you know, if they're still in the strong position in the league. Mourinho's winning games and the stick is decreasing. Guardiola's not winning games and their position's suffering and he's getting criticism. That's all it ever was, mm. you know? If Mourinho wins games, he's not going to get stick. Absolutely. Yep. The Latchkey Kid asks, am I the only one who's dreaming of a team with Mata and Mkhitaryan amongst the top front four? Such fluidity. Maybe I've I, I, I my my whims change with the week, but I'm kind of off matter now and onto onto onto, onto <sighs> Mac, Mkhitaryan, Martial, you harpy, even like Rooney in there sometimes, sort of Ugh. fluid. Come on, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Get out! What, who who are you? And what have you done with Rich? <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, how, isn't it? But isn't it nice? We've got so many options now. That's what I'll say. Yes, that's true. Players back in form. Truckload. Even even Rooney, to be yeah. honest, um, he's doing better. Um, if as long as he's playing, you know, playing well and not just in the team, but for being in the team's sake, then yeah. you know you can justify it. I think but, I think Mourinho's and kind he's of contributing, past isn't he? So yeah, he is. I think Mourinho's kind of past that moment, hasn't he? I think he's he's, yes. he's broken the back of of that one, and he can bring him in and take him out as he wishes now. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, at Don McDowell asks, is it just another symptom of the madness of 2016 that Damien starts at left back, or is he genuinely our best option there? No. Blint, Blint, no, he Blint, Blint has been the best player at left back this season. You know, Damien's useful because he's adaptable and he, he can fill in there, but I think he was certainly our weakest option there against uh, Spurs in the home game. Um, and he was solid mm. enough, but He's not a left back, is he? That's true. It's almost like he's a right back. Almost like he's a right back, yeah. Almost. Although he's, yeah, I was going to say he hasn't quite demonstrated that he's that either over the last year or so. So there you go. That's true, but don't let Kev hear you yes, say that. Sorry, Kev. Peter Porker asks: When Zlatan needs a rest, who plays up top? Is Blind out of the picture? Who leaves if Lindelof comes in? He's, he's done his normal thing there, Peter. You cheeky man of having three questions in one. Yeah. Let's start with that. Zlatan needs a rest. Who plays up front then? Harriet. Um. I think it, it it very much depends on on who we're playing, but I'd give Rashford a go because he just terrifies defenses with his pace. Uh, yeah, it'd be good to see him kind of get a bit of a you know bit more time on the pitch because he's kind of come on what with fifteen maybe twenty minutes to go uh, and not always had the impact that he might have if he started a game. So I think I'd I'd plump with with Marcus. Rich, what do you reckon? Agreed. We we haven't got a great deal of options there, have we? Unless uh, even I can't suggest Rooney playing up front. So yeah, aside from Martial, I don't know. We've got the League Cup games coming up, and I, I suppose Mourinho usually takes league, the League Cup pretty seriously, and he wants to win it because it's his first season. He wants to get a trophy. So I'm kind of looking for 
the moments when he might think that he wants to give Ibra a rest, but at the moment he's not been too keen to do that. So, but yeah, I think Rashford's really really suffered for for having played out wide, and I think he needs if he's going to get his confidence back, he needs to be playing out front and doing the things that he did last year that that made him such a breakthrough then. So yeah, I'll go with Rashford as well. Yeah, I mean, the contrast uh, with so much of what Van Hal did was that when Rashford played up front, he, he was offered a degree of freedom, really, wasn't he? And yeah. that's something that he's missed by playing out on the left so much this season. So at some stage, you know, we've all said it, Zlatan is going to need a rest, you know, similar to Carrick. They are both offering far too much at the moment, I think, and the games are, are deemed too important for Mourinho to consider resting them. I, th- yeah. I still think we've got options. You know, Rashford up front is one of them, and... You know, maybe this is me being far too idealistic for my own good, but I still think Schweinsteiger could do a half decent job in a similar role to Carrick. But maybe that's just me and my blinding love for the German. But there, there are certainly options in our squad, which is why you know, despite it being quite bloated, and I'm sure we'll see one or two leave in the January transfer window. I don't think we're we're not bereft if we decide to rest Zlatan or Carrick at any stage. Uh, right, Chris McGuffin asks, why is it that Pogba has a slight tendency to go for the long shot rather than continue to pass the ball? Because he's... It's true, he does love doing be, that. Because he's quite, he's better at it than other people. Yeah, I know. I, it, 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 sometimes it's frustrating and then he'll just wang one in like he did at Swansea and you're like, yeah, obviously. I, I, I don't think we can complain too much of Pogba at the moment. You know, he's, he's, he's our main creative outlet and if he wants to shoot from 30 yards once in a while, I'll defer to his brilliance. That sounds about right. Seconded. <laughs> Last question of the evening from the Cash Patil. A wonderful one. Favourite Christmas film? Oh, not Star uh, Wars, Rich. Shut up. Yeah, not Star Wars. No form of Star Wars. None, none of okay. the new ones. Nothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I love Star I'm, Wars, Rich, uh, but it just doesn't count. <laughs> Can I have Home Alone? You can have Home Alone. Have Home Alone. Christmas I actually, well, I actually saw some Home Christmas Alone today, movie. believe it or not. Did you? I did. I did. Well, I live in a house. Oh. I live in a house of of teenage girls with nothing better to do so they've been watching Home Alone <laughs> oh that's not bad there you go uh, I'm going to go with uh, Love Actually Love Actually oh, oh that's yes. not bad I mean it, it is a hot mess of a movie that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I mean the cast is just incredible and there's a lobster at the nativity play so what, what more could you want that is true. That's very, very true. Just Let's see. Uh, well. We asked everyone on the podcast the same question, by the way, guys. Kev went for Die Hard, a, a classic I'm sure we'll all agree. And Paul went for something a little bit uh, more classical. He went for The Snowman. Also Aww. mentioned Home Alone, but we're going to go for The Snowman because that sounds nicer. Paul's a romantic. Uh, I'm going to go for... It, it is. He is. Oh, gosh. He is such a romantic. I've gone for Arthur Christmas because it's amazing and anyone says so is wrong. Okay, I'll go with you. And we'll leave it there. (laughs) Cracking. Guys, thank you very much for joining me. Guys, thank you very much for listening. We hope you have an absolutely wonderful festive season and enjoy a nice couple of days off. We will be back next week, presumably at some stage after we have played uh, Davy Moyes' Sunderland. Don't forget you can. <laughs> what was that noise? We've. Uh, don't forget you can get us at Red Voices M U F C. You can get Rich at at Richard Can seventy six. Harriet, where can the people find you? At H M Drudge uh, and at four four two. Excellent. Right. Well, don't forget, guys. Have an absolutely wonderful festive season, and we will speak to you very, very soon. Cheerio. Bye.